Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Making Sense of It All with Jesse Stakes. This week we're going to be talking about the Small Business Administration, or the SBA as people know it. But before we do, I think it's very important to understand where we come from to understand where we're going. The SBA, or the Small Business Administration, was established in 1953 by the Small Business Act that was signed into law by President Dwight D. Eisenhower. The SBA was created to promote the interests of small businesses and enhance competition in the private marketplace within the United States. Prior to the establishment of the SBA, small businesses in this country had very limited access to credit resources. The SBAs played a significant role in providing financial assistance to small businesses. During World War II, the Smaller War Plants Corporation, the SWPC, was established to assist small firms with defense production. After the war ended, the SWPC's functions were partially taken over by the Reconstruction Finance Corporation, the RFC, and partially transferred to the Office of Small Business, which was housed in the Department of Commerce. In 1944, the Servicemen's Readjustment Act gave the Department of Veteran Affairs the authority to guarantee business loans for veterans. The SBA assumed some of the functions of the RFC, which was created in 1932, to provide funding for businesses that were affected by the Great Depression and World War II. Now, if you fast forward to 2008, during a period of economic recession in this country, SBA loans were enhanced to provide up to a 90% guarantee to strengthen the access to capital for small businesses. More recently, the SBA was used to issue PPP loans and EIDL loans for small businesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. This week, my guest is Scott McBride. Scott is an SBA lender for One Florida Bank. He's an expert in his field, and he's a great resource that I call on all the time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Let's jump right into it. You know, everybody hears the term SBA and they hear, you know, I think most people would think that they understand it. What I always find is that people understand things a little bit less than they realize. Can you share with me and my audience what you do as an SBA banker for One Florida Bank? So the lending is is similar across the board, whether it's commercial, real estate, you know, whatever uh, you're looking for funds to be able to do. And the small business part is probably the one that most people get sort of wrong. It's pretty broad. I mean, we can go up to $5 million in loan amounts, which expands to quite a few businesses. And we help businesses in just about every industry. So when you say small business, most people think of really small startup, which we do help. And we do support with SBA loans. But we can help a pretty broad swath of businesses out there. Um, especially in the state of Florida, where there's so much growth and so much activity. So that's probably the first one that people get you know, wrong when they think of the word small. But the whether it's business acquisitions or startups, as I said, um, those are ones that the SBA really 
can excel at, those businesses which may not have a lot of collateral, which again is a lot of service industry businesses, um, businesses that are leasing their space, things like that. So those are areas that the SBA can really help that's different than the commercial world as well. So it, it's, it, it, it is a different client for sure, but it's usually a client that will go on to do more conventional stuff as they grow and expand. And then some established businesses that are looking to grow that need the support of the SBA as well. So what I'm hearing you say is that it, it really does expand the opportunities for a lender to lend money to more people, more small businesses, and it allows people who are starting a business or who may, may not necessarily qualify for conventional credit yet, it gives them opportunities to obtain the capital that they need uh, at an earlier point in their business than the, what they could have possibly done so if they had to wait on a bank to say that you're qualified based on our conventional guidelines. Yes? Yeah, and that's exactly how the bank looks at it. The bank looks at it as the ability to do loans that they wouldn't otherwise without the SBA support. So in in the big program, that 7A program that is used right. very often, it's still a bank loan, but the SBA will guarantee a portion of that loan. And that gives the, the bank the confidence to go out and reach a little further than it would otherwise, whether that's into an industry, say restaurants and, and that type of industry, which they wouldn't normally look for or go into, or with startup, another example where you're doing most of it on projections, most of your underwriting are looking at a lot of the projections as a reason to do the deal and the assumptions behind those projections. Well, the bank wouldn't look for that in the conventional world. It just doesn't fit. Lack of collateral, I already mentioned. Again, an area where the bank says, hey, those loans we don't really look for generally, but with the SBA support, they're willing to do them. So yes, the bank looks at it the same way you're describing as ability to expand the clients we help, and the businesses we help and, you know, as the SBA always wants to do, helps create jobs as well for the community and the, and the economy. So, Scott, before we started recording, you and I were talking about some of the changes that have happened with the SBA over the last several months. Their, their SOP, their standard, standard operating procedures. Um, can you share with my audience a little bit about, you know, those changes that have happened and how it really benefits them? It's not really to benefit the, the SBA. It's really to benefit the end user. Yeah, I just, there's several changes that um, some that have come. One example is equity in a, a partner buyout, which they've changed the the rules around that um, and allowed it to be a little bit where the, the buying out partner might be able to bring less to the table at closing. And that can be a real positive. They've already got sunk equity in the business. Those things have changed to make it better for clients and just about all the changes they've made are looking to help borrowers, I call them clients, but borrowers in general, um, whether that it be bringing less in that example I just, less to closing in that example I just offered. Um, there's, there's a number of other changes as well. And SBA has decided to waive fees on smaller loans under $500,000. That really helps. There's no guarantee fee. That's a real positive. Uh, many of the changes are still, you know, being worked on in terms of the SBA really giving us specifics around them. But all of them are a positive to borrowers to broaden <clears throat> who can borrow and how much and how much they need to bring to closing. So they're just expanding on their core 
um, and and it's getting better and better. So, and what I hear pretty much is that it's ease of access. It's they're they're giving they're allowing people more ease of access to the SBA programs. They're giving them an easier time to qualify for them, and so essentially it 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 brings more people to the table. Yeah, absolutely, that's the that's the idea and the theme behind it is that we can help you know, more borrowers and make more deals work that maybe before would have been tight or wouldn't have qualified because of liquidity or otherwise the, you know, that's the idea behind all the changes that they're making is it gives more access. That's always their theme and the changes they've made recently certainly follow that. Um, So we, whether it's cutting those fees or expanding how much needs to be brought to closing, um, those are all great things for borrowers for sure. Excellent. Scott, is it is this something that you have had a passion for since you started it? You started working. Did you go to school for this? How did you, how did you get involved being an SBA banker? So my career path after leaving school was a little varied. I I worked for a, a beer and wine distributor. I worked for a local coffee company. Well, actually, it was a national coffee company, but it was based in Orlando for a while. And then I had a daughter and decided I didn't have my daughter, but my wife had a daughter. Uh, <laughs> So at the time, decided, hey, I need something that's a little more nine to five. So I, I got into banking. There was a real opportunity there that was uh, kept me at home more, um, less travel, which was attractive. Started as as kind of a general banker, did just about everything under the sun initially. And that was great, whether it was selling securities or insurance or working with regular bank products or doing loans. Eventually gravitated towards commercial lending which I liked a little bit more, getting to work with business owners, understanding what they were trying to accomplish, a little more exciting than opening deposit accounts and working with insurance products, at least it was for me. Sure. And an expansion of that was the SBA. Strange opportunity, really wasn't looking for it, but I realized using, again, that guarantee and allowing the bank to look at loans they wouldn't otherwise, I got to get even more interesting clients to work with, more interesting businesses to work with, get to be a, a participate a lot more in the creation of, you know, not only the loan structure and what was going on, but, but learning about different industries, being able to understand those. And it just sort of progressed from there. And I use exciting is, you know, the right word sometimes. Um, tiring is the right word at other times, because that um, it can be a lot when you're looking at a, a new business or a new industry and you've got to quickly learn about it to be able to help the client, to be able to get the bank to feel comfortable approving a deal in that particular for that particular business. But to me, that's what, you know, it keeps me from getting bored and, and maybe there's a little uh, ADHD there as well that, you know, I can't focus on one thing. So I need a lot of, a lot of balls in the air, a lot, of, a lot of things going on all at the same time. I think that's really cool. And there's not really there's not really a whole lot of opportunities within the banking industry to really consider yourself entrepreneurial. So it's nice that you get to work with entrepreneurs and people that are looking to, you know, make a go of it, starting a business, you know, believing in a concept and and ha- asking the bank to back that up. So I think that's really I think that's really cool. Um, you know, speaking of that, and I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Do you have a favorite story or a favorite client that you've ever helped out as far as with an SBA loan? Um, I'm trying to think if I've got a particular one. And it, I won't 
say I have one that I can think of in particular, but I, there are several that kind of fit in the same vein. So in the SBA world, a lot of times we work with a client for the first time as their business is getting started and growing or just once, meaning they have an existing business. They need the SBA support to expand the business. And, and we may not see that client again, meaning they then become a conventional borrower because they're now so strong. It keeps it exciting because you're constantly working with new people and new businesses and learning all the time. But I've got several clients that have come back to me as their business has expanded and they're growing so quickly, they still need our help or those that I'll stay in contact with. And just because I've gotten to know them so well through the process, um, SBA loans, because of, you know, the just the nature of the growth of the business or the, the brand new nature of the business means that sure. you get to know them and it may take a while to get the loan approved, all the things that we need to, to look at and understand and, and put together business plan projections, all those things. So it can take a while. So you get to know them well. So I don't have one example, but I do have several clients who I still stay in contact with, who I've seen their businesses continue to grow. And it, it's really rewarding as, you know, I'm sure even you know, just about every banker who um, is out there would say the same, um, but they get to get to see those be a success and feel like you're a little bit a part of it is really rewarding. And it, it's, it's great because not only have clients that I know now, but I can call some of them really good friends as well. Well, and I'd argue that you're a, you're a really big part of it, not just a little part of it. If you don't have capital, you don't have a business. So I think that, you know, people underestimate how important their banker is in that whole equation of starting a business or growing a business. So that being said, let me ask you this, because I think a lot of people, when they when they think about the SBA, think it's a lot more work. They think, OK, if I get an SBA loan versus a conventional loan, it's going to be more difficult. It's going to be more time consuming. Some of that is true. But but there's a there's a reason for that. What makes an SBA loan different? I know we talked about how similar it is, but what makes it different from a conventional loan? And kind of give us the why behind it. Well, I mean, an SBA loan, whether it's the and the two programs most people are familiar with are the 7A program, which helped a lot of new businesses and kind of what I was referring to. But there's also the 504 program, which is real estate or, or capital you know, big pieces of equipment related. Sure. And I do both of those. We here at one, we at one Florida do both of those, but they are both government programs. And that means that there's things you need to adhere to one to make sure the business is eligible. And then secondarily to have the SBA approve the loans or approve the guarantees, depending on which loan it is. So that creates paperwork. It's a government program. There's a number of things that the government wants to see and a number of documents that are specific to that. Um, and I wouldn't say that it's anything extra in terms of information, although the clients can feel like that during the process. It's, But some of it's redundancy, which we do work very hard every day with our you know, industry partners and some of the, the, our company partners to get the information as few times as we can and kind of get rid of that for the client, right. but still a part of the program. So it, it isn't as if it's something completely unusual 
it's still lending and it's still information we need to know to underwrite the deal, to approve the deal. But there is a, additional pieces that we have to put together documentation and information to make sure it's eligible and to make sure the SBA will approve the deal. And, you know, that is where, I guess, on the documentation or the logistical side, it's different. Right. But I'll, I always I think it's, I always think it's one of those things to where if somebody were to think about it as if I'm going to hand you a million dollars to, you know, what would it take for me to be able to loan you a million dollars? What would I want to see? What would I, you know, as, as a human being, and if I'm cutting that check out of my own bank account, how am I going to trust you enough to cut you a check for a million bucks? And so like, to me, I feel like it's the same thing, whether it's the, whether it is, you know, an SBA loan or conventional loan or any of that, I think that there's a, there's, there's that discovery process, that getting to know you process. And, and when you don't know somebody, when you're starting that relationship with the ask for money, then, you know, in the absence of a true relationship, like, you know, like you and I talking right here, then you have to have documentation and documentation that's making up for that lack of a personal relationship sometimes. So I always tell people, the more you don't know somebody, the more documentation I'm going to need to see to prove you are who you say you are. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned, uh, you know, in a couple of different ways, something that comes up a lot. Again, you know, we talk to a lot of new clients that have either haven't had a loan for their business before or, you know, are growing and they've done it coming money out of their pocket to start business. So they haven't borrowed money before. So both of those scenarios means that this is likely the first time they've gone through it and it's or it's the first time they've gone through it for this particular company. So they're unfamiliar with the process, maybe. And that's fine. It, it, those are clients that, you know, we want to help. But it can seem a little overwhelming when you haven't done it before. And secondarily, if you're doing it for a business which hasn't borrowed before, yes, there's a lot of information that has to be collected. And that doesn't, it, it's not necessarily special to the SBA. It's just a part of that process. The bank wants to know it. The bank wants to understand who they are, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And, and that can seem a bit cumbersome. So it, it's those things that maybe give, uh, you know, the feeling that, oh, well, an SBA loan is hard. And, and I wouldn't say that it isn't difficult, but there's a reason for it. And it's usually the all, all the other, the whole package together. Not only is it a government supported loan, but it's likely for a business that's either growing very quickly or is brand new or, you know, all the things that go into that, that bucket that you have to, to learn along the way to, to get the approval. No doubt. No doubt. Well, you mentioned it and I wanted to take a step back here. There are multiple kinds of SBA loans and SBA loan is not necessarily just vanilla. There's vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, and several other flavors. Um, 7A loans, 504 loans, they have micro products, they have other offerings that the SBA has supported. Can you talk a little bit about what what a 7A loan is, what it's used for versus what a 504 loan is? Sure. Yeah. The SBA has numerous programs and some that the banks don't even participate in. People are familiar with PPP, which we did help with, and then EIDL, which is another one that was came up a lot during the, the pandemic. And those are our SBA programs as well and, and facilitated by the SBA. So there's there's many, many import-export uh, loan products and, and a whole bunch. Um, but most people would be familiar with as you mentioned, the 7A product, which we use quite a bit, and then the 504 product. I already mentioned that that's real estate focused or, or a big piece of equipment focused. 
But the 7A is a very versatile loan guarantee. Still do a bank loan. Um, what the SBA does is tell the if it meets certain eligibility requirements and is underwritten to the their specifications. Excuse me, they will guarantee the loan. Sometimes up to it's typically up to seventy five percent. Smaller loans, it's eighty five percent. So that gives the bank a considerable amount of security, especially if there's say not enough collateral behind the loan to be willing to do the loan. And and that's how the SBA supports and getting more money out there to the economy, to small businesses, and to help them grow and create jobs. So those loans can have everything from you know working capital to startup costs. You can even include some of the closing costs in the deal. So those um, loans help small businesses do all sorts of leasehold improvements. Um, you know, they're... I won't say everything because there are parameters or things that aren't eligible, but it, it can help with just about every aspect of a business's startup growth, um, you know, expansion, um, you know, on and on and on. So that, uh, you know, it's, it's really a versatile product or a versatile guarantee to help the loan, you know, fit what the client needs. Right. Well, no, and I think it's, a, you know, we, we talk about it, but really what it means, I think, you know, when you break it down to layman's terms for somebody who's listening is essentially when the when a bank takes on an SBA guarantee with one of these loan products, it allows them to take on more risk. It allows them to go outside of their typical risk por- profile because the government's going to help, you know, we're gonna, the government's going to offload some of that risk onto the SBA, not just onto the individual bank. Fair to yeah. say? There's a couple of other parameters to it as well. One, um, the, it, 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 we can almost always do it with less money down at closing, which is a big benefit to um, you know, pretty much every business. They can hold on to their cash to help support the growth of the, the operations of the business. And then also the terms or the length of the loan is typically longer than what we would offer conservatively. So those two things can help cash flow and help the retention of liquidity, those are real positives as well under that 7A program um, that that are real pluses for small businesses in, in you know, any business that we help with a 7A guarantee or an SBA. So those are no doubt. They're just two of the others. There's some other things that are thrown in there um, specific to each deal, but those are two big ones that are, are helps to clients. No doubt. Let's switch gears a little bit. You mentioned that you work for one Florida bank. For those folks who out, who are out there that have not heard of One Florida Bank, or if they have not had the opportunity to be introduced to the bank yet, tell us about One Florida Bank and what makes you guys different. So One Florida Bank that is based in Orlando, Florida, although we also have a, a branch up in Chipley, um, where we started you know, One Florida four years back, almost a little longer than that, I guess now. Um, so the bank has grown. We're substantial in size. We're over well over a billion dollars in in bank size, and in our uh, that allows us to lend quite a bit. Um, so we're not a small bank necessarily, but we also operate like a community bank. All of our management has come from that environment and continues to enjoy helping clients and many of the clients that have been with us through careers and, and different iterations of the bank in the past are still with us today. And 
very community focused, always looking to have a relationship with a client as opposed to just do some one-off, you know, loan or um, deposit situation. We're always looking for a strong relationship with those clients that we can grow over years and years. So we feel like our service and that focus on community and commitment to, to client relationships is, is really makes us stand out. I believe you guys have decided to expand into the Jacksonville and North Florida area too. Yes. Yes, we have just recently we've hired a couple of bankers up there who are quickly growing that market and we're very excited to be there. It's a market I'm familiar with from my past and really enjoy it. Both St. Augustine and all of Jacksonville, which is pretty broad and big, but tons of opportunities up there and very excited about, you know, our growth up there and in that market as well. The market has changed over the last several years and it continues to change. Florida has experienced a tremendous amount of growth here because of, you know, because of COVID and the pandemic, we had a lot of people move into the area. We've had a lot of people that want to start businesses in Florida now. Where do you see the market going in the next few years? Growth, I mean, kind of growth is a given, but, but you know, what are, what are you seeing? What, are, where, what direction are you seeing things move towards? So I haven't been a banker all my life, but I am a, a native Floridian. So growth is something that I've only known my, you know, it's always been growth for Florida. So um, all of whether it's economic troubles or, or anything else, it seems like Florida has been able to, you know, survive and, and thrive coming out of any of those uh, of the things that we've gone through most recently, the, the pandemic, which was probably one of the most unusual ones for sure. So I, I see it as a continuation of where we've been. Um, I, you know, markets that we're in, Orlando, Jacksonville, two of the most exciting um, South Florida is different and, you know, that that's exciting in its own right, but is, is a bit different market. You know, it's, it's great to see each one of those markets thriving. It's, I think it helps us in our market in Orlando area, in the North Florida area, and all the way over into the panhandle with our branch at Chipley. So um, I, it's, it's exciting. I think we see tons of startups, tons of people who move here, bring their businesses here or start a brand new one here. Those things I think will just keep on in continuing to grow. So overall, I, I don't, I don't see any worries in the future. I mean, certainly things and challenges we'll have to tackle, but you know, as we still have so many people that are moving to the state, it, it just is exciting, at least for me in the SBA area to, you know, to keep meeting new people, meeting new businesses and helping them all. No doubt. Well, and it's, you know, on the flip side of that, I, I've, I'm a native Floridian myself as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of crazy sometimes when you think about what Florida and what some of these areas look like 20, 30 years ago, because they really did, even if like, let's take Jacksonville for an example, Jacksonville was always a very large landmass city, but really it had a small town feel to it. And in the last Three years, I would say that there has been rocket fuel poured into this market to where the peop there is just so many people that have moved into this market. And there is such a desire for growth and change. Whereas before they talked about it a lot, but you really didn't see people getting up and, and moving dirt and changing the market. And that and that's happening. I mean, we, we, what we see today looks very different than what we saw five years ago. That being said, some of the challenges that I see is that you have a lot of people who are native, who have lived here their whole life, 
who live on a certain amount of income and now that income doesn't necessarily match what is what the demand for housing the demand for the new economy as far as cost of goods and services it's changed and so i think that you know we're in a we're in a period of catch up for a lot of those folks that have lived here their whole lives and have you know the median income that what florida was used to living on all of those things we're we're in a we're in a period of some growth pain, gro- growing pains for those types of people would you agree with that yeah definitely i mean it it's times are changing and they're changing quick especially you know right as we speak with inflation where it is and you know the job market is still strong that that seems an unusual mix and hopefully it's a good one and means that we make it through any you know make it through those inflationary times quickly um and in any other economic you know problems we have on the horizon that we they don't turn into big ones but i also think you have to mix in those people that have moved here for what florida has to offer whether that's low taxes or or opportunities for for business um they they bring a whole different viewpoint in terms of what their expectations are what they're you know they're buying properties left and right. And as you said, there's, um, you know, maybe rocket fuel poured on it because of that influx of people that have come into the state. So I, hopefully that's a positive too. So they, they bring a different outlook, but a, a good one. So um, hopefully that keeps us rolling. I, I I was once told, and I, and I believe it wholeheartedly that the only consistent in this world is change. And so you have to embrace it. You have to, you have to move with it and you have to, you have to allow yourself the opportunity to grow. Scott, I really enjoyed having you. If people want to learn more about you, the SBA, and One Florida Bank, where can they find you? So they're welcome to email me at smcbride at onefloridabank.com or give me a call at 407-963-1002. Always willing to talk about new opportunities and see if we can help, whether that's SBA or otherwise, and uh, be excited to, to hear from anybody who wants to give a call. Arguably, the SBA and all of its former iterations of small business support after the Great Depression and World War II have been whatever the people who run those small businesses need them to be over the past 70 plus years. Most times, to be clear, they are not lending the money themselves directly. They are providing a financial guarantee to the banks that are lending the small businesses the money that they need to establish and grow their businesses. It's been said many times. America runs on small business. So just to throw a couple of statistics at you. In 2020, the SBA distributed over 14 million loans worth a total of $764 billion. The average SBA loan is $417,316. Here's a negative statistic for you. Only 33% of small businesses will survive 10 years in business. I think my biggest takeaway from this conversation and everything that I've just said is that it's important to have a good relationship with your banker as a small business owner and operator. Capital and the access to it are important to your success. Also, I think when people admit where their gaps are in their own knowledge base, it allows them to learn from others. None of us are successful without the help of others. Again, I want to thank Scott McBride of One Florida Bank for joining me for this conversation. I look forward to bringing you more from One Florida Bank and what they have to offer to their customers and clients. For now, that's going to be a wrap. 
I'll catch you guys next time.